The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Oh, glory to God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, let's have our seats. We're going into the Word of God now. Hallelujah. Okay. Amen. So, we have been looking at the subject titled, Christ in what? Christ in Moses. Christ in Moses. And we did a bit last week, didn't we? Did a bit last week, didn't we? All right. So, um, Tony Babs and Luke's Gospel, chapter number 24 and 27. Amen. So, I don't want to start going back and going through what we looked at last week. We just need to just move on and go to what's next. All right. Luke 24, 27. It says, And beginning at Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hallelujah. Let's go to 34 of St. Luke 24. All right. And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you. While I was yet with you, <coughs> that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. So what we basically interestingly see immediately is that the books of Moses were actually, all right, actually have, all right, the promise of Christ within them. So, if the books of Moses has the promise of Christ within them, it therefore means that the writings of Moses were not historical. Primarily, 
they were revelational. The writings of Moses were not historical writings. They were revelational writings in that they reveal Christ and the plan of God for humanity within them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. This is very important for us to see. Because, you know, if you read the writings of Moses, if you see the historical in the writings of Moses, it is present in the writings of Moses because there is a revelation in it. Glory to God. So whether, for example, when you look at the genealogy in the book of Moses, it's because that genealogy that is stated in the book of Moses has a Christological implication. Amen. So, for example, in the writings of Moses, we have that um, we are told, okay, about the peculiar circumstances of Judah and how that Judah had two sons, okay, that died. Praise God. They were both married to a woman called Tamar. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Yet, all the sons, the first son was married to Tamar, he died. And the second one was married to Tamar, all right, he also died. The first one had a child, okay, all right, with Tamar, all right. And sorry, the second one had a child with Tamar. And Judah was like, oh, no, I don't want us to give, I don't want to give this, second, this child to Tamar because the agreement was, all right, according to the custom, was that if a man's, uh, if a man got married to a woman and he died, his brother, and he died without having a child, his brother was to raise his seeds onto his brother. That was the law. That was the custom, so that there would be a seed that you know was raised in the name of the brother that died, and there will be someone that will continue his what is um is 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 a heritage on the earth. So the first one. <laughs> The first one died, and the second one died. Then there was a young one. Then Judah was like, ah, don't let me give this young one to Tamar so that he does not die too. So what did Tamar do? Tamar disguises as a prostitute and seduced Judah such that Judah slept with Tamar. And Tamar got pregnant. Praise God. Now, because Judah and Tamar were not married, that child that Tamar carried was a bastard. She gave birth to a child called Perez. Perez was the child of Judah via that union with Tamar, who was not his wife, but his daughter-in-law. Now, you are giving that genealogy in Genesis. It is not a useless information because Perez is the great-great-great-great-grandfather of David. And it explains why, all right, the uh, um, why the tribe of Judah that was promised the kingship. Because if you go and look at Genesis chapter forty-nine, the reason why I'm not opening this scripture is because that's not my sermon today. All right, if you go to Genesis chapter forty-nine and you look at the prophetic words of uh, uh, Jacob to Judah, you will find out that Judah was promised the kingship. The king of Israel was going to come from Judah. Glory to God. But we now find that in 1 Samuel, when it was time to choose a king, all right, God leads Samuel to choose a king from where? Benjamin. And Saul was the first king. But there was no prophetic word 
about Benjamin ever becoming king. We will understand why from the genealogy in Genesis. Because according to the law of Moses, a bastard shall not enter into the congregation of Israel until the 10th generation. And if you count the generation from Pharez, glory to God, David is number 10. Glory to God. David is the 10th from Pharez. So in David's generation, that law concerning bastard was fulfilled. Now, David could now be the first king, all right, from the tribe of what? Of Judah. Because the promise was given to who? To Judah. So, the, so Genesis is not an historical writing. If there is history in Genesis, there is a revelation inside. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says what? Quickly. <coughs> it says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make the wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Next verse 16 now says, All what? Scripture. He is given by what? The inspiration of God. So that means that word inspiration there is a Greek word theonustos. It means God breathed. It means there is divinity behind every scripture. Including the books of Moses. So that means the inspiration behind the books of Moses is God. So the books of Moses, all right, are revelational material. Because God's breath or the spirit of God is behind what was written. The Bible says no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation or private origin. But only men of God wrote as they were moved by the spirit spoke as they were moved so that means the um the words uttered which were later penned down were at the instance of the move of the spirit amen i said amen so when we are reading genesis we are reading revelations of god we are reading what revelation of jesus christ because jesus shows us in luke chapter 24 or verse 27 he said he expounded unto them in all the scriptures beginning at moses he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself which means that the books of moses are scriptures that are revelation of jesus christ they are the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you are reading the revelation of Jesus Christ in the writings of Moses. Let me show you something else I want us to see. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 1 into 3. My dear Wally, I don't see you writing must have a photographic memory which you will also send to the church group how you will do it i don't know Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says now faith we're going to come to this because we need to explain it it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen very powerful now if you look at and want to understand the context of this definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, you need to understand that the context of Hebrews 11, where he's talking about the heroes of faith, was the, uh, uh, the Old Testament saints and their faith walk. That's why when you read Hebrews 11, 
and you read all the examples of faith in Hebrews 11, all of them were in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. All of them in the Old Testament. All of them. Every single one of them were Old Testament saints, all right, spoken of in the Old Testament scriptures. So when he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, there is a context to that statement. Hallelujah. There is a context. It is not a disjointed statement. It's a statement that has a context. Glory to God. And I'm, I, I, I just say that if we want to define faith right now, we may not be able to use Hebrews 11 and 1 as the correct definition of it. Praise God. It's a definition of faith that we can learn from, all right, once you understand it. Because what Hebrews 11 is actually saying is that the Old Testament saints, all right, um, got to know about the Messiah, the coming Messiah as a promise. So that means in the Old Testament, God showed them, he showed Abraham that Christ was going to come. And Christ was going to what? Offer himself as a what? A sacrifice and bring what? Forgiveness of sins. Alright? God spoke to David. So David said in Psalm 32, he says, Blessed is the man, alright, whose iniquities are what? Are forgi whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities are, are, are covered. Blessed is the man to whom God will not what? Impute sin. So David has seen it that there is coming a time where God will not impute sin against. You understand that? Alright? David also said in Psalm 110, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies what? Thy fools too. In Hebrews, we are told that that statement is between God and his Christ. Hallelujah. Which means that God, by revelation, revealed his plan to David, revealed his plan to Abel, revealed his plan to Abraham, revealed his plan to Moses, revealed his plan to Rachel, revealed his plan to Isaac, revealed his plan to Jacob. And when all of them saw that plan, they what? They believed it. But it was a thing that was hoped for. Hallelujah. And something they had not yet seen. So they had not seen the Messiah. All right. The Messiah coming was in the future. It was a promise. What is a promise? A promise is something in the future. So God had promised to Abraham that your seed will come, hallelujah, and will offer himself as a sacrifice and forgiveness of sins, praise God, amen, and the indwelling of the spirit, glory to God, will come upon all men that believe in him like you do. So the blessing of Abraham, salvation through faith, hallelujah, the blessing of Abraham, the promise of the spirit, glory to God, is giving those that have faith like faithful Abraham. But it was a promise. So every single one to whom God showed that plan, who believed and accepted that promise, are said to be in what? In faith. So he now says, faith is the what? Substance of things what? Hoped for. So that means they had a substance in their heart that that which God had promised in the future was real. Praise God. So they had evidence in their heart of the things that they could not see was real. They had not seen Christ, but they believed in him. All they had was a promise. But they held on to that promise as real. So they all died in faith, according to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. He said, this all died in faith, not having what? <coughs> this all died in faith, not having received the promise. Hallelujah. 
This all died in faith, not having what? Received. So that means in their hearts, they believed it. Hallelujah. But the promise was in the future. So that context of faith is in the context of the Old Testament saints believing in God's salvation master plan has a promise, but it was in their future. Glory to God. So faith for them, all right, was present in their heart, but they were only going to come into the possession of what was promised when? In the future. I don't want us to dwell on that, but you can look at Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 1 to the end, then Hebrews chapter 10, 1 to the end, so you can understand the context of all that we said. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, all right, from verse 1, he says what? Let us go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, he lists all the heroes of faith. He lists them one by now, one by one, one by one. When he gets to Hebrews chapter 12, look at what he says. He says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. Where are the cloud of witnesses he's talking about? All the cloud of witnesses mentioned in Hebrews 11. That means the witnesses of faith. That is the heroes of faith. All those guys who are mentioned, those are the cloud of witnesses. With so great a cloud of witnesses. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race I said before us. Now look at verse 2. In verse 2, it now says, looking unto what? Looking unto what? Looking unto what? Jesus, the author. Notice, they, all right, were hoping for Jesus. Jesus was in the future. But he's not talking to those ones who have seen him. Because Jesus has come now. So he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of what? Of our faith. Glory to God. Now let me tell you something very beautiful now. You see that word, looking unto? That word looking unto is from the Greek word aphorao. If you have um, an amplified Bible, you will see that that word looking unto is actually translated as looking away unto. Looking what? Away unto. Because in Hebrews 11, when you read it, you will think faith was about the characters mentioned. Because it says, by faith, Abel. By faith, Moses. By faith, this one. By faith, that one. But he now tells in Hebrews 12, he says, take your eyes off the characters. And place them where? On Jesus. He says, looking away unto Jesus. Who is the author and finisher of what? Of faith. Which means the faith the Old Testament says had was in who? Jesus. But he was the substance. Jesus is the substance of the things they hoped for. He is the evidence of the things they did not see. Hallelujah. They did not see him. He is the substance of the things the Old Testament saints hoped for. He is the evidence of the things the Old Testament saints did not see. Hallelujah. But he is a reality to us where? Now. Because he has come now. We have seen him now. Hallelujah. It is no longer a promise to us. It is our reality. He has died. He was buried. And he rose from the dead. And he's alive at the right hand of God forevermore. Praise God. So we are not hoping. Praise God. We are living in the reality of what was promised. We are not hoping that one day the Holy Ghost will indwell us. No, the Holy Ghost is indwelling us now. Amen. So their faith, glory to God, believed in the hope that they will receive. Our own faith has possessed. Hallelujah. 
Alléluia. Aaron fait as possessed. Aaron fait as received. But guess what? Guess what? Guess what? When Jesus rose from the dead, the Old Testament saints came into the reality of that which they believed and were waiting to receive. I don't know why I'm being this, taking to this. Okay, let me just show you this quickly. Then I'll go into the listening of mine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's look at this. Turn your Bible to Hebrews. Let me just show you this quickly. Because I started that journey to a rabbit hole. But I don't want to be, get sucked into that rabbit hole. Because from experience, when you get sucked into the rabbit hole, you, you don't get out easily. <laughs> Amen. Now look at Hebrews chapter number 11. You ready? Pay attention. Remember what I've explained. Is this clear? Is this clear? Now look at verse 33. It says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched violence, violence of fire, escaped the head of this world, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, taught to fly the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead race to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sun and thunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And this all, listen, having obtained the what? A good report through faith. What good report? In that God told them and they what? They believed. God told them about the coming Christ and they what? And they believed. That was their good report. Praise God. Hallelujah. True faith. What did he now say? He says what? He says what? Are you not following? They received not what? They didn't get the promise. Despite having been in faith, they did not get the promise. Look at verse 40. God having provided some better thing for who? Us. That they, without what? Us, should not be made what? Are you seeing that? So that means they could not enter or receive, praise God, without us. We are the generation that we what? Handle what was promised. We are the generation that we witness what was promised. Praise God. Until we witnessed it and what God promised came into fulfillment, they could not come into what? The reality of what was promised them. So after it came into fulfillment, they came into the reality of it. Then also, we came into the reality of it. Are you following this? Aha. Praise God. Now let us now go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do what? Appear. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Remember we said, Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of what? Of our faith. So when he says, through faith, we understand, he's saying, through Christ, we understand. Hallelujah. Amen. That the worlds were framed by the word of God. Who is the word of God? Christ Jesus is the word of God. All things were made by him. And without him was not what? anything made that was made are you seeing this so it now says something powerful it says we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god now the expression worlds there that expression worlds worlds there 
All right, is the word Greek word aeon, a i o n? Because when you say full plate, we understand that the world. It doesn't say world as in singular. It says worlds as in plural. It doesn't say worlds as in singular, but worlds as in plural. But you all know that there is only one world. Is that correct? One world. The entire galaxy, everything is one world. But it says the worlds there. Hallelujah. Now that word worlds there is not talking about the physical earth, the mountains, the moon, and the sky. No. That's not what it's referring to. Because the word worlds there is the Greek word aeon. And what does aeon mean? Aeon means dispensation. Dispensation or an age. So, for example, in history, we have the Bronze Age. We have the Dark Age. All right? The Bronze Age. We have the Dark Age. All right? In some countries, they had an age or a dispensation that was ruled by kingdoms where a king was in charge. Then later, they, they moved into a dispensation where there was democracy. All right? So, an age or a dispensation is actually a period characterized by certain laws, certain belief system, certain dispositions. That's what it is. Alright? That's what it is. So, for example, we have the internet age. We have the technology age. So, that means it's an age that was influenced largely by internet or an age that was influenced largely by technology. So, we are now entering another one called the crypto age or maybe a metaverse age. Praise God. All right. Where it is influenced largely by another way of doing. So, that means the age, there is a critical component or a way of life. All right. In that particular dispensation that defines it. Are you paying attention here? Come on, are you paying attention here? Uh -huh. That defines it. That's what an age is. A dispensation is. Okay? So, the Bible now says, by faith we understand that the age, dispensations were framed by the word of God. So that means, what Hebrews 11.3 is telling us, that in scripture, there are dispensations, or there are time periods where, um, that were ruled by a particular revelation of God's word. And we are going to see that from the writings of Moses. Praise God. So let me show you that. All right. The scripture shows us seven ages. Seven dispensations in the scriptures. Okay. We see some of those ages actually shown to us in the book of Moses. In the first age we see is the age of innocence. The age of innocence in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 7. God created man. Look at Genesis 2, 7. God made man of the dust of the earth. Man was neither righteous nor a sinner. Man was neither good or bad. Nyan man was neither light nor darkness. He had not yet made a choice. God made man a free moral agent to decide. A decision has not yet been made. This is the age of innocence. Hallelujah. The age of innocence. So there was a period where man, hallelujah, was neither light nor darkness. 
There is a teaching that has been taught, that has been going on for many, for many years, which thought that when God created man, man had the Holy Spirit inside of him, man had the life of God, then man lost the life of God, and man lost the Holy Spirit. That is not correct. The Bible doesn't teach that. There is nothing in Scripture that actually teaches that. What the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 45, is that the first man, Adam, was a natural man. He was an earthy man. The second Adam is the Lord from heaven. Alright, he calls the earthy man a natural man, but he calls the second Adam the spiritual man. So that means Jesus is the spiritual one that has the Holy Ghost. Adam is a natural man that did not have the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us Adam was made from the earth. He is natural. He is earthy. So Adam did not have the life of God. So if he did not have it, he could not lose it. Adam did not have the Holy Spirit. Alright, if he did not have the Holy Spirit, he could not lose it. If you study Genesis chapter 3, the fellowship between God and Adam was God speaking to Adam through a voice. Not a voice that was within him, but a voice that was what? Outside of him. You see, and the voice of the Lord came walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. So that is an outside influence, not an indwelling influence. There is a difference. Praise God. So this is the first age, is the age of innocence. All right? This is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. All right? Then gent and you read, he said, And Lord God formed man, of, um, formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nose with the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So now, when he says he breathed into the, his nose with the breath of life, that is not eternal life. Because the result of that breath into man was that he became a what? A living what? Soul. So that is a living being. Natural life. Then God now put the tree of life in the garden. Now, the tree of life is the tree of what? Eternal life. Which I've told you, that's a figure of speech. Amen. Because Moses wrote Genesis by revelation. What did he write Moses Genesis by? Revelation. So, in Revelations, you have typologies. It's not literal. It's typologies. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can I shock you? <laughs> As I was thinking of the word recently, I thought about it. I said, as I was looking at it, Moses wrote about the temptation of Adam, about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and about eating of that fruit. And we've seen from scripture that it's revelation, which means what we have, the trees there, the fruits there, were typologies, which means there was no actual physical literal tree, amen, and there was no actual physical literal fruit. How do we know there was no actual physical literal fruit? Because Jesus Christ said, it is not what enters into a man that defies a man, but what comes out of a man. So that means there is nothing Adam would have physically eaten that would have what? Defiled him. Praise God. And in Romans chapter 5 verse 19, we are told that by one man's disobedience, Disobedience is the Greek parakoe. What does parakoe mean? It means a failure to take heed to a measured, a message you were given. Which means the disobedience of Adam was in response to a message God gave him. Praise God. You cannot be disobedient without a message or an instruction being given to you. Is that correct? Okay, let's look at Romans chapter 5. Quickly, 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 quickly. <sighs> Romans chapter 5. 
and verse um, 19. Romans 5, 19. He said, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made what? Sinners. So it was disobedience. Is that correct? Is that correct? All right. So disobedience, that, is, that means an instruction was given which he didn't obey. Unbelief. So by one man's unbelief, where many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, one shall many be made righteous. So that means that if it was not after physical fruits and the, the tree there and the temptation of Adam there, all right, was given to Moses as a revelation so that Moses can understand what happened and he can communicate it to Israel. So that because the, I told you last week that the purpose of the writing of the books of Moses was to explain certain things. Is that correct? All right, to explain the sin of Adam, praise God. To explain why death was in the world, amen. To explain God's plan for salvation in the world, praise God. To explain propitiation and how propitiation will happen. That's why you had the the uh, the, the the sin offering, the what, the trespass offering, the bond offering. So all of those things was to explain what God was going to do to solve the sin problem, to solve the death problem. Hallelujah. All right, all right. Concerning rapture or the um trans transfiguration of our mortal bodies god gave us a typology in enoch that enoch walked with god and he was what not all right the bible tells us in hebrews 11 that by faith enoch was what translated that he should not see death so all right we've said that jesus is the author and finisher of faith. so where it says by faith enoch was translated that he should not see death it means by christ enoch was what translated that he should not see that god giving us typologies in the old testament that all in christ will sleep may sleep but they will not die that just as enoch was translated they will also be what translated are you paying attention here all right now so if you see that typology in that old, um, in the old testament even that the temptations was figurative so it now cast my back to the temptation of jesus because jesus was in a vision when the devil was tempting him turn these stones to bread is that not what he said is that not what he said he said turn the stone to bread then he said he took him to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world okay Show the kingdom of the world. And he said, if thou shalt bow and what worship me, I will give it to you. Praise God. Praise God. Mm. Hallelujah. So when you look at all that, as I was now looking at it, and began to read the Gospels and look at the, inter the interaction between Jesus and the different characters, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I began to find out that those temptations that were mentioned in Matthew 4, glory to God, you will see it in what the people said. Show us a sign from heaven and we believe you. Are you following? On the cross, come down. Do a walk. Do a wonder. You save others. Save yourself. And we believe you. All the temptations of Jesus that the devil threw at him were, um, how will I put it, invitations for him to depart from the instruction that the Father had given him, praise God, and to compromise. And many of the temptations or the encounters Jesus Christ had with many of the Pharisees and Sadducees was the same thing. Praise God. Do a quick walk. Show us a sign. Show us a wonder. And Jesus said, a, 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 what? a wicked and adulterous generation, what? Seeketh afterward. He said, don't let me stop him because of time because I, I, i'm moving away from the moses i will do a particular teaching where we will focus on those things praise god now let's go back 
We said the first dispensation or the first age is the age of what? Innocence. That is from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. The second dispensation, glory to God, amen, is the, the dispensation of sin and death. This is where Adam now makes a choice. Genesis 3. All right? We see Adam making a choice. God had told Adam the day in the day that thou eat of this uh, of the tree of this uh, fruit, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 3, Adam eats of it, death comes, death reigns. So that introduces the dispensation of death, which means in that dispensation, death reigns. So what characterizes this dispensation is death. The third dispensation, we see in Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, is the dispensation of the promise where God made a promise to Abraham. Then in Exodus chapter 20, we now enter into the dispensation of the law, the age of the law. The age of the law. From Exodus 20 to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, age of the law. Hallelujah. Then the fifth dispensation is the age of the new covenant of fulfilled promise. So the promise made in the third dispensation is now fulfilled in the fifth. Age of the new covenant of fulfilled promise. The promise God made to Abraham is fulfilled. Alright? After the age of the new covenant or fulfilled promise, we now have the age of tribulation. This is after we've left. The age of tribulation is that age where the Antichrist is going to reign supreme for seven years. And the final age is the age um, of, of um, the reign of Christ or the millennial reign. The millennial reign. The millennial reign. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. So, Moses, or God through Moses, is trying to communicate something. Remember I told you, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy were written after the fact. Moses wrote these books after all that had happened in those writings had already happened. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For example, Moses was not present during the period of Abraham. Every single thing that happened during in Genesis had already happened when Moses wrote it. Praise God. Moses was not, um, did not write the book of Exodus while they were leaving Egypt. He wrote the book of Exodus afterwards they had left. Amen. He didn't write the, what was going on. So all of those books were written after the fact. Are you, are, you, are you with me so far? Which means that they were not written with history in mind. There was a purpose for which they were written. To communicate something to us. Jesus now tells us what Moses was trying to communicate in St. Luke 24, 27 was that Moses was trying to communicate the things about what? Himself. Concerning him. Hallelujah. So that is why, alright, it was written by Revelation. 
Paul said all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So if he is given by inspiration of God, it is revelation to man. So that means the inspiration of God brings revelation to man. The inspiration of the scripture is revelation to man. The spirit unveils to man what he inspired the Old Testament writers to pen down by inspiration. Which means every inspired word is understood by revelation. Only the spirit of God can unveil the word to you. Hallelujah. A man can read the Bible and become an atheist. Without the help of the Holy Spirit. It is only the Holy Spirit that unveils the written word to a man. So that that man can see Christ behind what is written. So when a man reads the scriptures and says Jesus is Lord, he is only able to say that Jesus is Lord through the help of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, No man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. So now, what was Moses trying to communicate? Let's go to Genesis 1. I've taught this before in the book, in the teaching series, Gospel in Genesis. All right, but I want to teach it again for clarity and for emphasis sake. Genesis chapter number 1 and verse 1. Legos frahagadisto. Glory. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning. In the beginning. We've done a teaching on this um, first phrase in the beginning, correct? Correct? We did a word study and began. Go and read. Get the teaching series, Christ in what? Christ in what? The last series of last month. Christ in what? Genesis. Is that not it? Sorry, Christ in everything. Yeah, basically, Christ in everything. So go and look at it. I taught something. I taught it there. I looked at Christ as the beginning of creation of God. Is the firstborn. Is that correct? Is the first fruits. Amen. And we look at all of that. Now, he said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Next verse. Now, pay attention. He says, and the earth was what? Without form. And what? And void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Remember what I told you. Genesis is a book of what? Revelation. Moses was writing by revelation. Which means that he was writing by revelations. All right. There is a meaning to this, what is stated here. And I will show you an example before you say, Pastor, you have come again. All you pastors, you don't have to dribble people. No. I'm not dribbling you. I'm unveiling the word to you. I'll show you an example. Now look at this in verse 3. It says, And God said, Let there be what? Light. And there was what? Light. Now notice, darkness was in the preceding verse. The next thing we have is God said, Let there be what? Light. Is that correct? Is that correct? Do you see anybody called Christ in this place? Is there Jesus in this place? But Paul will show us Christ in this place. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 6. So you can understand interpretation of scripture. Now, it's, everybody look at it. It says what? For God who commanded what? Delight. To shine out of what? Darkness. Had shined where? In our hearts. You see that? Okay. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of what? So, where is Paul using to explain this? Is it not Genesis where we just read? When did God command the light to shine out of darkness? Is it not Genesis? Talk to me. Is it not Genesis? Uh -huh. He said, for God to command the light to shine out of darkness, I shine your heart 
So that means what he's telling you that the darkness over the face of the deep we see in Genesis is actually a description for what? The hearts of men. Are you seeing that? It's description for the hearts of men. So now when God now says, let there be what? Light. The light he was introducing to the darkness in the hearts of men is what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of what? Jesus Christ. So that means it's the light of knowledge. Knowledge of who? Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let's do a little bit of word study on Genesis. Chapter number 1, verse 2. Now look at this. He says, and the earth was what? The earth was what? Without form. And what? Void. Okay, let's do a study on that word. The word without form is the Hebrew tohu. Some of you know it. Tohu. And void is bohu. Everybody say tohu. Not tohu. It's tohu. And bohu. Now, the word tohu there, what it means is empty. Waste. Vain. Nothing. Now, I want to also go to certain scriptures where the expression tohu is used. So you can understand and see how it is used. Is that, is that okay? Now, turn your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 10. What does he say? He found him in a desert land and in the wastes howling wilderness. That word waste there is to who? When he says waste howling wilderness, in the wilderness, is there anything growing there? Is there anything growing in the wilderness? No, it's empty. Is that correct? It's empty. Nothing is happening there. Alright? That's what to who means. Now look at 1 Samuel 12, 21. 1 Samuel 12, 21. Another place where Tohu is there. He plays twice. 1 Samuel 12 and 21. Look at what this says really quickly. He says, And turn you not aside, for then should you go after what? Vain things, which cannot what? Profit. Nor what? Deliver, for they are what? Vain. So, the word vain here is empty. To who? Vain. What is vain? Vain means it cannot help. There is nothing inside. It's empty. Does not profit. Doesn't do anything for you. Empty. So, when he says, and the earth was without form, he's saying the earth was empty. The earth was wasteful. It was a wasteland. And the earth there is a description of the heart of man, which is saying the heart of man was what? Empty. The heart of man was what? A waste. Glory to God. Now look at another one. Isaiah 24, 10. Same word to who? Isaiah 24, 10. Description of the heart of man. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up. That no man may come in. The word confusion is the Hebrew tohu. So when he says, and the earth was without form, all right, he's saying the earth, all right, was confused. 
the art of man was confused. Now, guys, look around you at many men without Christ. Is there no confusion there? There's even confusion about whether they are male or they are female. Confusion about sexuality. Confusion everywhere. Because they are empty of what they should be full of. They are empty of what God has ordained for them to be full of. When a man is empty of what God has ordained for him to be full of, he will be vain, he will be empty, and he will be confused. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 59 verse 4. Another word translated to who is vanity. Vanity. Glory to God. None collect for justice, nor any pleaded for truth. They trust in what? Vanity. And speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth what? Iniquity. Vanity. When the man's life is empty of Christ, his life is full of vanity. What is vanity? Vanity represents anything that looks as though it has purpose, but it is empty. The success of this world, man is full of it, but he cannot carry anything with him outside after he dies. It's vanity. To who? Empty. Vanity. Waste. The earth was. Moses looked at the art of man and he says, it was without form. It was confused. It was a waste. Because God had created all these things for a purpose. And God was not seeing the purpose fulfilled in any of the men there. It was a waste. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was a waste. Then the next one, void. Bohu. What does Bohu mean? It is undistinguishable ruin. Hallelujah. Undistinguishable ruin. Often I don't want to start going into all of this thing. That means, so, Tohu Bohu is a description of the hearts of man upon whom darkness rests. Hallelujah. Now, it's, and darkness covered the what? The face of the deep. Is that not what he said? Now, let us now look at that word deep. Face of the deep. And it says, the Spirit of, the, of, of God did what? The Spirit of the Lord did what? Over upon the face of the what? Of the waters, right? I turn back there now. Genesis now, 1, 3. Because deep there, actually, is talking about water. Back to 2. He says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God did what? Moved upon the face of what? The waters. Now, let us do a study. As to when a prophet sees water or says or mentions water or waters, whether we have examples, all right, of flood waters used metaphorically in scripture. Let's look at a few. Look at Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 1. Because in prophetic language, waters is actually usually used to use, usually refers to a large body of human beings. 
you look at the book of Daniel, Daniel said he saw a vision, and in the vision, there was a, um, a body of water, and there was um, the wind blew, not wind, east wind was blowing, four winds from the four corners of the earth was blowing uh, on that water. Then the angel came and gave him an interpretation that what he saw was that there were going to be wars, different wars from different parts of the earth. So that means the wind was representing conflict, all right? While the waters represented the nations on the earth, all right? That is how, well, that is how prophetic language is. So in prophetic language, all right, um, certain things are representative. So you are seeing water. It doesn't mean that that's water. There's a, it has a meaning. That's how prophetic language is. You, you understand? Um, in Acts chapter 10, what do you call it now? Peter was told to arise and eat unclean animals. And Peter said that he had never eaten what was what? Unclean. God says, what I have cleansed do not call what? Unclean. The animals there were representative of Gentiles, the Gentile nations. Praise God. It was not actual animals. It was representative of Gentile nations. God used that to pass a message to Peter. Glory to God. Because it's in a vision. Glory to God. It's in a what? Vision. Now, look at uh, I, uh, I, um, Psalm 69 verse 1. Save me, O God, for the... Look at it too. Pay attention. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming to, in unto my soul. Mm, waters are coming what? Unto my soul. Next verse. It now says, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Next verse. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail. I wait for my God. Next verse. Four. That they that hate... Uh -huh, pay attention. No? You know we are talking waters and we are talking flood. Now it has switched. It says, they... That do what? Hate me without what? A cause are more than the heirs of my head. They that would destroy me being my enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then I restore that which I took not away. Next verse. Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. Uh-huh, go on. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. So we can see from the language of the psalmist that the waters that were come unto his souls were what? People. His enemies. Those that what? Hate him. Are you paying attention? Come on, are you paying attention? Now let's look at another example. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 6 to 7. I want you to follow this teaching. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 6 to 7. He says, for as much as these people refuse it, Listen, as much as these people refuse the waters of Shiloh that go softly and rejoice in raising Aramalia's son. Next verse. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of what? Of the river. Strong and what? Many. Even who? Even who? So that means the waters of the river. Strong and many is what? The king of Assyria, a man, and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all what? His banks. It is metaphor. Prophetic language. He is calling a man and his army rivers. So just as a river will cover all the rocks, he is saying the man and his army will cover everywhere. 
Are you paying attention? Let's look at another example. Isaiah 17, verse 12 to 13. Isaiah 17, 12 to 13. He says, Woe to the multitude of many people. Listen, oh. Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise. Like the noise of the what? Like the noise of the what? Of the seas. And to the what? Rushing of the world nations. So you see that rushing there? Just like a water rushes. He says the nation rushes. Rushing of nations. That make a rushing. Like the rushing of mighty waters. Are you seeing that again? Can you see that description again? He's talking about waters. Talking about people. Praise God. Alright? Can we look at verse 13? The nations shall rush like the rushing of what? <laughs> but God shall rebuke them and they shall flee far off and shall be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind and like a rolling thing before the wild wind. Isaiah 48, 1. Are you learning anything here? Isaiah 48, 1. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the what? Waters of what? Alright, when he says waters of Judah, he's saying that's people of Judah. Are you seeing that? So, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth, nor in what? Nor in righteousness. Isaiah 57, 20. Quickly. Isaiah 57, verse 20. But the wicked are like these troubled words. People, when he cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and death. Amen. Jeremiah 46, 7. Jeremiah 46, 7. Waters is used as a metaphor for people, for men, nations. Nations. Amen. Jeremiah 46, 7. Who is this? That cometh up as a what? As a flood, whose waters are moved as the rivers. Next verse. Egypt, is that not a nation? Rises up like a flood, and its waters are moved like the rivers. And he, so the Egypt is a person. He said, I will go up and we what? And we what? And we what? Cover the earth. So that means a nation of men. We what? Cover the earth. So when he says, and darkness was upon the face of what? Of the deep. The darkness was upon the face of nations. Yeah? Nations. So when God now said, let there be light. Paul says that that light God, that God, God said, let there be, was the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of what? Of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is that let there be light is the knowledge of Christ. For the answer to the darkness in the heart of men is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <coughs> then Moses takes us wonderfully. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Moses is a wonderful guy. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4. So, God said, let there be light. And he says, there was light. Right? Right? 
Uh huh. Let's say there was light. But what happens? He said, and God, pay attention. And God saw the light. And it was what? Talk to me. It was what? And divided the light from what? So that means the darkness preceded the light. Is that correct? And because of the darkness, God said, let there be light. But still, it was not all light there was. There was still light and darkness. And God now said, let us separate what? The light from what? Talk to me now. So there was 100% darkness upon the face of the earth. Upon the hearts of men. God now said, let there be light. Praise God. Then after the introduction of light, there was now a delineation of the nations of the earth into light and what? Darkness. Now, pay attention. Continue. What did God now do? Next one. And God called what? God called the light what? And the darkness he called what? And the evening and the morning were the what? Oh, wonderful. Now turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 5. Are you ready? Ye are all children of light. And the children of the day. We are not of the night. Nor of darkness. So, Paul is telling us that the children of the light are the children of the day. They are the ones that are believers, is that correct? The children of the night are the children of darkness. They are the ones that are what? Unbelievers. So what is Moses telling us? Moses is telling us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the nations of the earth was filled with darkness, having not in them the knowledge of the gospel. God now said, let there be light. He says, God said. Now, pay attention. He says, and God said. Is that what he said? He said, and God what? Said. Now, what do we call what God said? If God says something, what do we say what he said is? His word. Is it not correct? Is it not correct? His word. Okay. So, since what he says is his word. Hallelujah. And the word he said first was light. Let's now go to John 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was what? Was God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. It says, in him was what? Life. And the life was the what? Light of men. And the light shined in what? Darkness. And the darkness could not what? Comprehend it. So when he says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
the light is referring to there is the light of the word of God in John 1.1. 1, 1. Now, in verse 14, it says, And that word became what? Flesh and did what? Dwelt amongst us. So, in a world filled with darkness, the word, the word of God, hallelujah, became flesh. The light of God entered into that darkness and dwelt amongst us. When he dwelt amongst us, at first, he was the only one that was light. He was the only one that was holy. He was the only one that was, um, was sinless in that world of darkness. And as the word of God began to talk and talk and talk, some believed. He says, he came to his own. But his own, but as many, to them, the power to become. Now, the sons of God, who are they? They are children of the day. The ones who did not believe, they are children of what? The night. So what Moses is saying is that the introduction of the light caused there to be a differentiation between day and night. Light and darkness. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? That's what you see with Moses. So Moses was showing us, hallelujah, the present condition of man around this time and what God was going to do to bring about light into that present condition of darkness. Praise God. Praise God. Then he comes to verse 26. Go to 26. Is, is, are you learning anything? Come on, are you learning anything? Did I confuse anybody? Are you learning? Hmm. Genesis 1.26 It's nothing new. I'm not saying anything new. This is common knowledge. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Genesis 1.26 I didn't say John 1.26 so. Receive healing now in your hair. Receive healing. Pull. Come on that left hair. Pop open. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Genesis 1.26. Now pay attention. Pay attention. Remember what Moses is doing. What did Moses pen down? He penned down what? Revelation. Is that correct? The writings were inspired by who? Holy Ghost. Right? Right? Good. God's plan, since the world began, amen, was to offer eternal life to every man in Christ Jesus. Titus 1.3. That's his plan. The Holy Ghost is the agency to bring about the fulfillment of that plan. Which therefore means that every man and woman that God used and the Spirit moved, was moved by the Spirit of God to pen down revelation that reveals God's plan before time began, which is offering salvation to all men in Christ Jesus. Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? Which therefore means that if it is inspired by the Holy Ghost, Christ will be unveiled through it. That is how you will know that it is inspired by the Holy Ghost. 
Because Christ is concealed in the Old Testament, but by revelation we see that he is the message in the Old Testament. Are you, are you with me so far? Do you understand? Uh -huh. Now, pay attention now. From what we have seen, we can clearly understand the book of Genesis, is it about man or about Christ? Talk to me, Joe. You are not saying it with your full chest. The book of Genesis, is it about man or about Christ? In Luke 24, 27, Jesus said, beginning at Moses and in all the prophets, he unveiled, expounded unto them the things concerning who? So it's about who? Christ. <laughs> so, Genesis 1.26. He says, and God said, let us make man where? Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. <laughs> and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowl of the air. And over the cattle. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Ah. Go on. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female did what? Created he them. Yeah, praise God. 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and plenty yet, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So hold on. He says, Man had the dominion. Is that what he says? Is that what he says? Now, hold on for a moment and turn to Hebrews chapter 2. And verse 8. <laughs> if you look and you are reading the scriptures and all you see is the men the revelation will be limited but if you read the Old Testament scriptures and what you see is God progressively revealing Christ the revelation will never end See this. Now, the apostle is saying here, he said, Thou hast put all things in subjection under what? His feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Is that correct? Is that correct? Didn't we just read dominion to man? Aha. Uh -huh. He says, For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Look at his answers. Everybody read. Next one. He says, But now, we see not yet all things put under him. So what he's saying is that, Genesis 126 says that all, all things were put under man. But when we look at the man, we don't see all things put under him. Verse 9. He now says, But... But, everybody say but. We see who? Jesus. Who was made a little what? Lower than the angels. 
for the what? Suffering of death. Crowned with glory and what? Honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for what? Every man. So that means he's saying, we don't see the dominion in man or in men, but we see that dominion in who? In Jesus. Glory to God. So when that scripture says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let him have dominion. That scripture, when he says, let us make man in our image, he's talking about the incarnation there. He's talking about God becoming man. Hallelujah. He's talking about Christ Jesus there. Because it is Christ Jesus that was given the dominion. Matthew 28, 18. Turn in there. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus says, all authority. There's no man that can say that. Go and check. No man said it. No man said it. All the kings of the earth try to get all authority. All the rise, all the kingdoms. If you go and read the Old Testament, you will see all the kingdoms. All those kingdoms rose for one purpose. Total dominion of the world. They never had it. God gave them a head start. He told them, try. Try. They never got it. Nebuchadnezzar didn't get it. Alexander the Great did not get it. Pharaoh did not get it. Even David did not get it. Conquering the whole world. Nobody got it. But look at Jesus. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, What? All what? Power is given unto me where? In heaven and the earth. So the fulfillment of dominion over the fish of the sea, dominion over the fowl of the air, over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. Only Christ was the one that got it. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. <sighs> Philippians 2 and 9. He said, Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above what? Every name. You see that? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Next verse. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should what? Bow. Of things where? Fowl of the air. Is that not it? Is that not it? Heaven. Fowl of the air. Of things where? In the earth. And things where? Under the earth. So that means the dominion in all creation, in all creation, has been given to who? Jesus. So Jesus is the man. Let us make man in our image. In our likeness. And let them have. Now this is where it's key. When God was talking about Jesus. He included us in Jesus. Hallelujah. We are the bride in him. It is him and us. Glory to God. Just as there was Adam and Eve. It is Christ and us. So this is it. God made natural man, male and female, as a typology so that we can understand that if there is a Christ, then there is the church. Oh boy, I don't know if you understood that. So the male and female components 
where there was an Adam and there was an Eve. And the Eve was taken out of Adam. Was to show us that if there is a Christ, then there is a church within Christ. Hallelujah. That just as Eve was taken out of Adam, the church is taken out of Christ. And just as Eve was taken out of Adam, when Adam was put to sleep, sleep is a type of death, such that it was while Adam was asleep that Eve was taken out. And when Adam woke from sleep, which is a type of the resurrection, he woke up to see an Eve, a wife. Uh, a, a, a help meet in that same way when jesus rose from the dead he did not rise alone he rose from the dead with his church he rose from the dead with an eve all those things are typologies for us to understand that if dominion was given to jesus then dominion was given to us hallelujah for what is on the head is also on the body also ladies and gentlemen moses writings were loaded and pregnant with revelations about christ for what god inspired the prophets to write he inspired the prophets to write in typologies about the light in genesis 1 3 Jesus Christ and him crucified. So all the sacrifices, the offerings, Jesus Christ and him crucified. The tabernacle of Moses, Jesus Christ and him crucified. The peace offerings, the trespass offerings, Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Passover, Jesus Christ and him crucified. He inspired them to document. He inspired them to write and pen it down. So that when we read it, those of us that have the spirit of God, we will look at it and we will not see the shadows and the typologies. We will see the substance of the person they represented. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Have you been blessed? Can we just lift up our hands and just bless his name? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Christ is the beginning of your Bible study. Christ is the end of your Bible study. Christ is the alpha of Bible study. And he is the omega of Bible study. He is the first. He is the last. If he is not the first, you cannot end up at the right place. He is the A and he is the Z. Christ Jesus. He is the beginning of the creation of God. He is the fulfillment of God's plan and God's purposes. We can only understand Moses once we understand that Christ is the substance of his writings. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. We're going to close now. Can we just package our offerings if you are online, watching online? Um, we're going to put the details up. If you want to give to honor the Lord in what you have heard the ministry have received, giving is in a response to the spiritual things we have received. It's a response to say, Lord, I worship, I thank you. Hallelujah. Um, we prefer, obviously, that you give electronically. All right, obviously. So the accounts are going to be projected on the screens. And also those who are watching online. So you just see those, um, the account numbers, yes, it's there on the screen. Please let us give right now. If you're outside of the country, 
you have the account numbers to give to um very soon we're going to be opening accounts um outside of the country also so that if you're in america you can give to bank of america if you're giving uk you have banks in the united kingdom to give also to or right, but still you can give from anywhere in the world and you can get to us ladies and men the ministry is november 26 to 28 all right um we will also are asking you to partner with us for that conference we want to make it very very well planned you know we're putting all we're doing all we need to do you know making sure that we have an excellent event all right so you can give towards that praise god praise god praise god um okay 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 thank you so much for joining us right now our midweek services are virtual all right which means that you know we don't stop people from joining us in the center here but oh no we we don't ask people to come in all right but from anywhere you are watching us from i hope you were so blessed and you learned so much now this is what i want us to do let us go on twitter share what we've learned using the hashtag oikia spreading all right so that what you've learned you can also communicate to those who were not a part of it of the midweek service so the next time they can join us amen amen all right i hope we have given our offerings now all right we're going to see our affirmations right now real quickly amen now remember um those of you that live around the kitchen yeah. you have just listened to a message by reverend dr femi olale of oikea christian center for other messages visit our website at www.oikeacc.org remain blessed